Everybody doing okay? Good. We have um, some excitement here in the Scriptures because God is working uh, and has always been at work providing something that we need, and it's peace. It's peace. In our series, Christmas, um, we're looking at and inspecting the gifts that God's given us that are gifts of grace. And He's given us several gifts of grace, and one of them that is life-changing is peace. Um, Peace, as an idea, is very popular. You can find it. If you look for it online, you'll find people posting about it, commenting on it, um, wishing people peace, talking about it, planning for it. In some cases, parents begging for peace from their little ones. Just give me a moment of peace. Other people, the last wish and the last hope for somebody who they care about who is deceased, they, they wish that they may rest in peace. That's the final wish that comes from people. But while we're alive, while we're here together, peace can be pretty elusive, can it? Especially if you're looking for a specific kind of peace. Peace is so universally needed and desired that the United Nations actually created this commission. Check this out. You're not going to be able to read this, but I can tell you what it is. The United Nations has a commission where they've organized all the leading military countries, all the leading funding, giving countries, and they've put them all together and they've commissioned them to go make world peace. I mean, I can't help but ask, how's that going for you? Have you ever... But um, they have prioritized this peace-building commission and assembled something that's supposed to be advancing peace around the world. If you read the headlines... You're kind of like, are they on vacation? Uh, is, or is it incredibly difficult to do what this commission is trying to do? But really, we should all start, and I'm going to start here, and I hope that you're willing to start here with me to ask this question, what in the world is peace? Most of us think of peace, we think of the absence of conflict, right? There is peacetime in a country if the country's not at war. Is it possible to define peace simply by we're not at war? Right? Is there peace in the home if we're not throwing things at each other? Is there peace at work if we're not suing one another? Or is there a more important and more um, specific example of what peace is that is really a, a peace that God has described and has designed for us? And it's going to start with this word shalom or erin in the New Testament. One of my favorite words in the entire Bible, which then makes it one of my favorite words um, in any language, is this word shalom. In the Old Testament, uh, the word for peace is shalom. In the New Testament, you'll see this word here. This is the word for peace. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. And we could call it wholeness. That's what, when God's talking to people, human beings, about peace, He's talking about a shalom peace that really means wholeness or completion. One example is that Job says that his life and his, um, his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted all of his livestock and they were all there. This is the same kind of peace you feel when you're leaving the restaurant with your family and you count up the kids in your minivan and they're all there. None of them left behind on purpose. Another example is um, when you think about a stone wall. 
Think about a stone wall, maybe a brick wall, and that brick wall is completely filled in. There's no cracks in the wall. All the bricks are in the right place, and you see that it's complete. It's not missing anything. It's not leaky. Nothing's going to get through. There's no gaps. There's no missing break, um, bricks because that wall represents completion. It's whole. There's a state of shalom there. It refers to something that's complex. There's lots of pieces, and that it's in a state of wholeness. The main idea is this, that God knows our life is complex. God knows our life is complicated. There's lots of moving parts and complex pieces, complex relationships that are happening in our life, dynamic situations that are up and down, they're in and out, they're going good, they're not going great. And when any of these is out of alignment, what God teaches us through the Scriptures in our Christian faith is that life is no longer whole, our shalom has broken down. When things are out of alignment, when you get to the end of the buffet and you've got all the roast beef on the plate and there's no horseradish to put in it or on it, you realize there's no shalom anywhere in this world. So this message today isn't from me to you, it's very much from God to your heart that if any of you feels in any way like your life is out of alignment or you're missing something. It's not my idea to cheer you up. It's God's idea to fill you with the kind of inner peace that you need to bring shalom once and for all to your life. And he does that in a unique way. He does that in a personal way. And he does that in a way that brings healing and hope to your marriage, to your soul, to your body and mind, your emotions. He brings healing and hope to your family, your relationships, past and present. God can give you the peace that brings your whole life into alignment with completion and wholeness, your own personal shalom. You know when you have it, and you suffer when you don't. It's available to us, and it's available uniquely in a unique way that God gives it. Now, this state of shalom was supposed to be what the Israelite kings brought to their nation. God intended for this shalom to be what His people experienced, much to the attractiveness to the world and the winsomeness. They were supposed to cultivate this kind of shalom. But as you know, if you've ever read any part of the Old Testament, it rarely happened. So, the prophet Isaiah makes an announcement the prophet Isaiah, speaking on behalf of God, looks forward and he announces that there's going to be a future king. And actually, this future king is going to have a role as a prince, some of you know this, of peace. And his reign would bring shalom. <laughs> Imagine this. His reign over all things would bring shalom, and this shalom will never end. All things made right for eternity brought about by the prince of peace. That was what Isaiah said. That's what Isaiah prophesied. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with His people and make right all the wrongs, and He would heal everything that's broken. The Hebrew Bible ends. Did you know when the Hebrew Bible ends, God's people are still waiting expectantly for this ultimate king to show up on the scene. He's the anointed one who would bring this peace that was anticipated and needed and prophesied and that was desired by God. But God gives them a preview of what's coming through the prophecy of Isaiah 
about the long-awaited Messiah, and it goes like this. For, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And here's a title for you from the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah. This coming king will be a prince of peace. And his government and its peace will never end. It's not going to be circumstantial. It's not going to be based on what country you live in. It's not going to be based on which um, uh, culture that you're cultivating inside of your own country. This biblical piece about wholeness or completion was brought to earth in the person of Jesus. Not an experience, a person. Not a circumstance, a person. Not a feeling, a person. Incredible. Incredible to dwell on this. And you know this already. We sing about this piece every December. Well, most of you do. Some of you listen to other people sing every December about this. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Anybody know which song this is from? Say it out loud. Hark the Herald. There was so much confidence when you said that. What if it's a different one? You risked it. You risked it all. So you probably, um, I would, let me tell you this, this is something, a little side note, completely um, irrelevant to anything ever. You can forget this as soon as I say it. I am so illiterate with music. If you told me this lyric, and I tried to guess which song it was, I would just guess every Christmas song I knew until I got there. Because I cannot put a lyric in a song until I'm singing it, and then I go, of course. Anyone else? Am I? Come on. Any others like that? Musically illiterate. Like to sing, love music, but you said, anyway, that's irrelevant. I'm wasting time. So here's, here it is. Hark the herald angels sing. We have been singing about this corporately together, collectively. Our whole country sings. Every time they sing, hark the herald angels sings, here's what they say. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Who is that? They are singing about our Jesus. We are singing about our Jesus so why in the world do we need a heaven-born Prince of Peace? Because we have a problem that we can't fix, and it's not because we feel bad. It's not because we little, need a little cheering up or pick-me-up. We have a problem with our standing with God that we cannot fix. Our standing with God is broken. Let me, listen to the words in the Bible that describe, describes our standing with God before Jesus. Enmity. Enemies. Hostility. Estrangement. And eventually, we see separation. Those are the words to describe outside of Jesus, outside of trusting in Jesus. That's how the Bible describes our relationship with God. Apostles claim that Jesus made peace between God by breaking down the wall of hostility between insiders and outside and between humans and God. When he suffered and when he died in our place, we have the opportunity for a right standing with God. No other religion teaches anything like this. Every other religion teaches that if you want peace, you have to go get it. If you want to be made right with the gods or the universe, here's what you have to do to make that happen to you that somehow achieving peace or to, to have this kind of mental, emotional ascent into transcendental tranquility, it is something that you have to focus on and you have to kind of devote yourself to to find that Zen or to get that peace. 
with whatever it is, the, the, the power of the universe. And the question, of course, is how could that happen as a, the Bible describes me a sinner, as a sinner, as someone who is self-centered primarily, I am not a part of the solution, I'm a part of the problem. And so, we receive the peace of God. In the Christian faith, we receive the peace of God through trusting Jesus. We enjoy the peace of God by following Jesus. And we cultivate the peace of God by treasuring Jesus. And all of that is unique to the Christian faith. Very unique. In fact, look how uh, Paul writes it to the Ephesians. He said, Jesus brought this good news of peace, good news of peace, to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. So, is Christianity good news? Mainly it is. Our main message is good news, not bad news. You have to know the bad news for the good news to be good, and the more bad the bad news is, the gooder the good news is. There's probably a better way of saying that. But the main message of the Christian faith is good news, and it is good news of peace with the creator of the universe who knows us and made us and designed us and created us in his image, and he has provided a way for us to get right with our creator. That's our good news. And Jesus says, I have brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, people who were irreligious, they were far away. And the big idea is that this wholeness, this restoration of a broken relationship with God between humans and their creator is good news for both religious people who follow all the rules and irreligious people who don't. And what we're learning here in Ephesians as Paul is describing this to us is that this matters. So what about that? Well, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. We don't come through following the rules. We don't come through being born in the right country or being the right ethnicity. Irreligious or religious, we all come to the Father with the same, uh, through the same Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Jesus made peace between both religious insiders and irreligious outsiders. When you stand before God, it is a level ground. There are not religious people at the front of the line. They don't have VIP tags. They're not back in the green room with Jesus, hanging out, talking about all the knucklehead Gentiles who are far from God, who didn't really follow all the rules, who are in line hoping to get in. It is a level playing field, and everybody stands on the same ground when we approach God. Initially, we start with a broken relationship with God. Religious or irreligious, you simply come to God through the Prince of Peace, through trust in Jesus. And that's how He reconciles us to Himself. That's how He does it. So no matter, all of us stand before God the same way. No matter how ugly your life has gotten, you can always be restored to peace through Jesus. No matter how faithful your life has been, you can only be restored to peace with God through Jesus, through trusting Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done for us, this is how we find peace, because what Jesus has done for us. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as an arrival of peace. It was an arrival of fixing all those things that were broken. Jesus came to offer His peace, and He actually says, it's my peace that I give you. It's my union with the Father. It's my relationship, loving relationship that uh, I give when I give you my peace. He was the whole, complete 
human that we were made to be but have never been and can't be. And He actually gives us His peace, His life as a, as a gift. So the questions that we human beings have to ask, we have to ask this question, how do I find peace with God? How do I personally find peace with God? It's amazing. I think this is true. Most of us either have been or know somebody who is currently or has been trying to figure out how to make peace with God. Some people have made peace with God by just saying there isn't one. Other people have made peace with God in their own religious ways, turning over a new leaf, trying to be a better person, um, all the different ways that someone is trying to upgrade their life and somehow um, make peace with God. But we don't have to guess. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. How do I find peace with God? I'm made right by faith. I'm going to talk a little bit, quite a bit more about this next Sunday, Christmas morning. We'll talk about by faith. What does that mean? By faith alone. That means that we're made right with God by faith, not by our faithfulness, not by how well we serve Him, but by how um, focused our trust is, who our focus is rested in and rooted in. Today, we'll look at this. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Jesus offers his peace. But what kind of peace is found in Jesus? Three, three kinds. We'll start with this one. Three kinds, real quick. We have peace with God. That's our first kind. Just described quite a bit. That means uh, we have peace with God. Until salvation, there's a war going on between God and us. You see, we want to rule and reign over our own lives, but God has designed us for Him to rule over our lives. So when there's two rulers that are trying to rule over the same territory, there's a war. And we have this inner war that brings us to a point of just being miserable people. We're trying to run our own lives. We're trying to get to our own destination. God has created us for Him to be on the throne of our lives. And God doesn't sit back and say, well, I lost that one. There is a war going on between who sits in the throne of our lives. How many of you remember a point in your life where God, through some circumstances, kind of knocked you off the throne of your own lives? Would you raise your hand? Where are you? You got knocked off the throne of your life a little bit. It reminds me of Saul. You remember Saul has an appearance from Jesus, and it knocks him on his rear end. Falls off, lands, and, and, and then Jesus confronts him. This blows my mind. Imagine this figure, Jesus, appearing in all his glory, and he says, why are you persecuting me? And the first thing I would do is blame my wife. That's the first thing I would do. And I'd be like, that's biblical. Adam did it. So he gets, and this is what happens. God is at work finding ways to wedge you off the throne of your life, and it brings this, so there's this, kind of this, conflict happening. A peace with God means this state of hostilities is over, that there's no, uh, between God and us, it, it, it has ended. This means something so, so vital to our emotional, our spiritual and emotional flourishing. Um, number two, we have inner peace. Inner peace is a calm, satisfied heart. Calm, satisfied heart. Heart, Even in the middle of the whirlwind of your life, the, the, the whirlwind of anxieties and the whirlwind of stress in the home, out of the home, at work, the whirlwind of trouble and the whirlwind of pressure. And we're like, inner peace? Inner peace? That's 
something we've got to find on our own. And some people would say, I, I've been pursuing inner peace. I, I have been meditating. I am trying to find the right way to get this state of mind. But look at how Jesus describes this inner peace. This is so, so vital. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. I'm going to leave. I'm going to be at the right hand of my Father, but before I do, and that gift is going to be peace of mind and heart. By the way, you'll hear more about this exact piece through a personal story, a real-life story about this peace of mind and heart, Christmas Eve. I hope you'll all come. There'll be room. We'll make room. I hope you'll all come join us for Christmas Eve. One of our church leaders, Julio Martinez, will share his life story about this specific kind of peace of mind and heart that was discovered in Jesus, just as he says. So, here's what we'll do. We'll check this out. I'm leaving you with a gift, this peace of mind, and the peace that I give to you is a gift. Guess what? No surprise here. Jesus says, this is a different kind of peace. The rest of the world's going to be looking for peace outside in the real world, and they're not going to find it there because the peace that you're looking for and the peace that you need, which is reconciliation with God, to end the war between the God who created you and you yourself to end that war, it's not going to come from the outside. So we spend a lifetime pursuing the world's peace, the peace that the world gives us. Right? I just discovered this recently and found a little bit of peace. Did you know that there is a Yule log on YouTube 4K with some holiday peace? Did you know that? I am willing to bet. I'd be surprised if you don't feel more at peace just by saying the word Yule log. I'd be surprised. This brings me a moment of peace. At home, chill music, crackling fire, now it's on YouTube. You don't even have to get your hands dirty pulling the wood out of the backyard. Just turn it on the television. It's all the peace we could have. I also know, of course, you could go over to your playlist if you have Apple Music or any of the other services, and you can click on any one of these lists. Mellow days, spa, relax, peaceful, help me sleep, stress relief. It's limitless, endless ways of just peacing out. Pulling it in and tuning it in. Bringing that. I love that. It, it, it is so right on time at the right time and place, right? It does something to the soul. Obviously, God has provided this kind of peace that resonates with us. Especially, I find it even more peaceful. I'm listening to something like that. I'm sitting at a coffee shop, good cup of coffee, earbuds in, focusing on something that I'm interested in. Or some of you may have discovered that real peace is out there fishing, at a campfire maybe. Your real peace for you, perhaps, uh, is this. I don't know, understand this, but some people tell me roasting on a sweaty beach brings them peace. Don't, I don't, I don't know. Being in a rotisserie oven doesn't seem peaceful to me. <laughs> Loading up your mouth in seams with sand doesn't seem peaceful to me, but you don't need to know that. Um, how many of you would say peace is reading a book on a cozy couch or reading something you like, cozy couch time? That's peace. Can you imagine? Um, we're hearing from this company called Lincoln that the, the peace that you need, you know where it is? Where is it? It's in your car. It's in your car. I mean, this is like Lincoln finally admitting, hey, let's face it. People don't have peace anywhere, and some of them are fleeing to their car. Let's create. Have you ever made a call or a Zoom call or done any kind of transaction with somebody in the driveway in your car because you knew there's nowhere else to go? Isn't that funny about us? Well, good news, Lincoln hears you. 
Lincoln hears you. Get your Lincoln. And this is what they describe. They, they describe their vehicles, the interior. They, they use this word. You're going to love this, especially if you've been around a while. They call it sanctuary. It's amazing. You can have sanctuary for $65,000 a year. Not a year, but $65,000. One time. A depreciating asset. You can have it. So, um, is our peace that we're going to finally rest our lives in, our financial security, our financial peace. Anybody jittery about the markets? Anybody have some money tied up? Anybody looking at what's happening? Not trying to stir up trouble for you, but if your peace is in the financial markets or your savings, your investments. But I think our parents were onto something. I don't know about you, but my parents, this is where they found peace. Do you remember this? Calgon, take me away. Do you remember that? That's where my parents... My mom, my parents, that's where my mom, that's where her peace came from. That was, I, I'll never forget that as a kid, seeing that those uh, TV commercials, shut the door, ignore the kids, you're in your own, this is a whole other kind of sanctuary there in the bath. Um, you'll get yourself some peaceful moments or minutes. Um, there is peace that goes far beyond minutes and moments far beyond circumstances, far beyond, listen, calming down for a little bit at a time. There's a piece that resonates so deeply, it's life-changing, that no matter what's happening on the outside, that there's something satisfied and settled on the inside. We have peace with God, we also have inner peace. And specifically, this is a peace that is given to us as a gift. We don't go get it from the world, we receive it from Jesus. We don't get it from the world. We receive it from Jesus. There's a deep assurance of your right standing with God. Well, what does that mean? It means it calms us. It's a peace that's separate from what's the circumstances that are happening around us. It's an inner peace that's separate from our feelings despite feeling like we um, need it or we don't have it or we're not happy and we're not secure, God's shalom reaches even into our relationships. Shalom is also, completeness and wholeness is also for relationships. God did not leave our relationships outside of the uh, impact of shalom, of His peace. The book of Proverbs says to reconcile and heal a broken relationship. When you reconcile, when you approach somebody and you're made whole and made right with a person, a human being, your child, your parent, a coworker, a boss, a neighbor, a Patriots fan, any, anyone, literally anyone, when that happens, here's how it's, it's described as shalom. Where does shalom come from? God gives it to us. It's a gift from Jesus. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it means they start working together. They restore the relationship that God intended them to have. They start working together for one another's benefit. Shalom is more than the absence of conflict with people. It's actually the restoration of peace. Another outworking of Jesus' peace. We have peace with each other. We have peace with each other. This means that Jesus' followers, if you follow Jesus, you now take on his identity and you are a part of what he's doing to bring peace with people. 
Other people aren't bringing peace. If you follow Jesus, you're doing what he did, which is to bring peace to the world, to bring peace to people. And since local church insiders and outsiders both come to God the same way, Paul says that it's our job to do what we can to keep the unity. It's our job to do what we can through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience. One of the words is forbearance, forgiveness. We carry one another's burdens in love. So peace with others takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. It's actually proactive. It's moving forward and moving toward people. It requires noticing what's broken in my relationships and then a humble willingness to restore it to wholeness. Whether it's in our lives, whether it's in our relationships, or whether it's in the world. And that is a rich picture of what biblical peace really is. So what do we do now? Um, Obviously, a lot can be done and a lot can be interpreted, but here's what I want to focus your attention on. The first one is receive Jesus' peace with God for yourself. Receive it for yourself. You can be at peace with God. And don't forget, it's not through your faithfulness. It's not through turning over a new leaf, but it's not through a new focus. Um, You receive Jesus' gift by faith. You don't just amp up your focused effort to get things right and do things better. God's already explained it to us. It isn't coming, the peace that you're looking for isn't coming from the world. It's coming through your faith in Jesus. It's a gift. This gift of peace, who is Jesus, must be received. And here's what I want you to consider, if you wouldn't mind. If you would consider, if you don't know that wholeness in your relationship with God that comes through Jesus, I wonder if you'd consider that today is the day. Today is the day. Now can be the time. Now can be the moment where you make peace with God by repentance of trusting yourself and then transferring that trust into Jesus, who he is and what he's done to take your place, to rebuild and reconcile that relationship, bring you back to God and, help, and, and be the factor that makes you right with God. And Christians, here's what you can do now. Rest in Jesus' peace that you have with yourself Peace with yourself. What does that mean? Inner peace with God isn't something you worry about achieving. You're not achieving peace with God. You can rest because you don't have to fear losing this peace. In fact, after resting your faith and trust in the work that Jesus has done, you get to focus on expressing your gratitude. You don't have to be constantly trying to figure out, where am I with God? Am I in right relationship with Him? Am I doing enough? Am I serving enough? Am I faithful enough? Am I good enough? Am I following the rules? Am I being expelled and excommunicated because God's not happy with my performance or my behavior? You can rest that it is enough to trust Jesus by faith and be at peace with yourself and focus on the gratitude. Focus on uh, a gratitude. And you know what gratitude does? Gratitude purges you of the um, inappropriate fear of God. By fear, I don't mean reverence. By fear, You know what I mean by fear? Always concerned that you're going to be punished. This kind of gratitude purges you too from fighting with God. This kind of, um, this kind of rest purges you from anxiety over his acceptance or a sense of self-loathing that he can't possibly accept you. Or competing 
or comparing yourself with other people. It purges you from performing or pretending for God, and it also helps you to delight in knowing and belonging to God, and then you live at peace with yourself. It's not frantic on the inside. You're settled. God loves you. He's received you. You belong to him. You're in union with Jesus, and then the rest of your life is delighting in God, treasuring Jesus, serving out of and loving out of, uh, obediently out of delight and joy. And then, lastly, pursue Jesus' peace with others. How do you do that? By forgiveness. There is no better time to forgive, in my opinion, than the season of family. What season is that? Some people would say it's the holiday season. Halloween to the new year, all kinds of reasons that people are getting together with family. And family conflict really does ruin the holidays. There's a reason why your, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas vacation resonates with people because of Uncle What's-His-Name that wrecks the holidays. And certainly there's a lot of movies made about these difficult circumstances. There's a lot of jokes made about these difficult circumstances. But the reality is family trouble isn't funny at all. Family trouble is hurtful, leaves us empty, it leaves us anxious, and it certainly steals and robs us of the peace that God wants us to have. And when there is a wedge between family members, it gives what ought to be a comfortable and joyous occasion a bitter taste. There's a bit of a dark shadow over the whole thing because of being estranged from somebody that God has um, elected to put us with in family. And when we know two feuding members are going to arrive in the same room, there's all kinds of nervousness. What is going to happen? They're both going to be present for the dinner party. And we get a nod in our stomach. Is someone going to say something? Is someone not going to say something? What's going to go on? Is it going to be like last time? And we remember that, the cold silence or maybe the loud conflict where everybody's walking on eggshells to prevent the catastrophe. And if you've done it before, you never want to try that again. You never want to be in that position again. Maybe you've even thought about staying home rather than spending time and money with this family in conflict. Staying home. Basically retreating, right? Um, Ceasefire. Maybe it's a matter of deciding I'm not going to travel, I'm not going to see friends and family, and I'm not going to go to that get-together because I know that it'll be less than peaceful. God has given us enough peace with himself and inner peace for us to be a part of the restoration process that he desires between people. And we can't always make peace, but you know that we're given instructions as believers and belongers to God that we should, as far as we are able, listen to this phrase, pursue peace. To as much as we are able, to as much as it depends on you, do all you can to be restored with people in your home and in your family, and in some cases, friends, coworkers. And we do this because we are people of peace, not because someone deserves it, right? How long will you wait to forgive somebody if it's based on them deserving it? How long? Well, let me ask you this. How long would God have to wait to forgive you if it depended on you deserving it? A lifetime and beyond. Forgiveness is something that you gift somebody. 
and it brings healing and hope for restoration. And I recognize that some of you have a level of unforgiveness and bitterness that doesn't just need a um, focused message on a Sunday morning. There's a lot of hurt in your heart that takes a lot of time with professional people who help you bring healing. But we start somewhere, and we start with this idea that God has created us to be at peace with other people. And I wonder if you'd sift your heart today and you'd listen to the Holy Spirit just talking and whispering, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Is there more that can be done? Is there someone who can be forgiven the way that God has forgiven you by grace, not by deserving it? We inspect our heart. Is there something that we contributed to this estrangement that I could say, forgive me for this part that I contributed? Um, And it shouldn't sound like this. Forgive me for being right every time. doesn't sound like that. But I just wonder if it is the Holy Spirit who would help us think of things that if I were to pursue forgiveness for this, it might help restoration. And as far as it depends on you, here's the question. Have we done everything we can to be at peace with everyone that God has put in our lives? That's the question. And that peace is a gift. That inner peace comes from God. It comes through Jesus. And then we just become people of peace. We're everywhere we go and everyone we know, we're pursuing reconciliation with people. Now, during Advent, during the season of Advent, we're anticipating. There's an anticipation that Jesus is coming. His arrival um, will be soon. And we join centuries-long tradition of waiting and anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. And we remember their hope. We remember their expectation. We still look forward to Jesus' final return where everything will be made peaceful once and for all and forever. He reunites heaven and earth. He reunites those who are estranged from one another and brings everything into newness in the new creation. All the sad things come untrue as we wait for the ultimate king who is our prince of peace and embodies peace. He is our peace. He is our joy. He is our hope. And... He is the one who loves us and came to earth to dwell among the dark, that we might be united with God again in peace. And we get that joy and we sing about that joy in the Christmas season.